Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. When Allison told me that she wanted me to speak about celebrating friendship and celebrating each other within friendship, I thought about my circle of women and the miracles that we share, and I wanted to share with you what I think are incredibly important components to creating intimacy with the women around us and loving each other well. There's a book I read many years ago that spoke to me. It struck a personal chord with me because the author and I were on a similar journey in a period of heartbreak and confusion and loneliness. Like me, she left her conventional life for a much less conventional one traveling here and there and gathering as many experiences as she could. She committed to becoming a student of life and spirituality. And there's this one part of the book where she's walking down the street next to some buildings and she looks over and she sees someone that she recognizes. And in the briefest milliseconds, her heart quickly leapt with joy at the sight of a friend. It was only fractions of moments before she realized that she was just seeing her own reflection on the side of the building. And of course, she felt pretty silly that her brain didn't operate fast enough for her to know that she was seeing and just beginning to wave at her own self. She chuckled, feeling pretty dumb, but as she kept walking, she was thinking of the meaning of the moment that before she fully recognized herself, she recognized herself as a friend. Girls, are you your own friend? Do you jump in joy at the sight of yourself as someone you genuinely like? Do you look in the mirror and smile at the masterpiece that you are? Because you are, you are a masterpiece and your heart is pure, I know that it is. You are gorgeous, your hair and the sound of your laugh and what you daydream about and what you doodle when you're bored and what you find funny, what you chose to wear today, the way that you talk, what hurts your feelings. If I sound obsessed with you, it's because I kind of am. People your age are perfect to me. And I know you're not really perfect, but that's all the silly stuff. The real stuff. I see you as so very masterfully beautiful. And I want so badly for you to love yourselves. You are a masterpiece. Right after I had our last baby, I walked into my bathroom and I saw maxi pads stuck all over my window. There were about 20 of them. And so I called the biggest two into the bathroom and they proudly exclaimed, Mommy, we found airplanes with wings and they're sticky. If you don't know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then all you can do is misuse it. And there's no way to live out our true purpose that way. It's so frustrating. So if you don't know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then you're just misusing it again and again and again. And girls, you are a masterpiece. You are divinely inspired and you are uniquely gifted. And our job as a masterpiece is to dig in and embrace exactly who we are and letting go of who we're not. And looking at other works of art, wishing for gifts that are not ours, it doesn't do anybody any favors. We have this bad habit of flipping through catalogs of gifts and yearning for things that aren't ours. But when we do that, you know what it's like? It's like my baby's playing with airplanes. You have to know what something is before you can use it correctly. Girls, to have good friends, we have to be a good friend. And we can't be a good friend if we're not celebrating our friends. And we can't celebrate our friends if we're sad about who we are. First things first, you are a work of art that needs embracing. Do you love yourself? And the other thing, my second point, ladies, what are you not good at? Tonight, we're trying to talk about the things that might keep us from being the best friend that we can be. And, you know, nobody can draw a perfect circle. Nobody can draw a perfectly straight line. And there is freedom in owning our crooked lines. It's relief. 
your crooked lines are obvious to yourself and they're obvious to those around us. There's really no need to smudge the lines or blur them to try to make it appear as if the mistakes aren't there. We're not fooling anyone. And there are parts of our circles that are weaker than other parts. And if we're pretending like our circle is perfect, then our lives become an anxiety-producing charade. We become more concerned with keeping up a facade than we are investing in the people God has placed around us. And listen, covering something up, it's the exact same thing as lying, and it has the same effect on our spirit. So we stare at the crooked lines instead until they aren't scary anymore. Give them names, say it out loud, write about it, tell your friends. We take all its power that way. Nothing changes until it becomes what it is. And I understand why we're more comfortable with facades. It's our nature to cover up. I get why we don't exactly celebrate and advertise our weaknesses. Our culture does not cater to brutally honest people, does it? Can you imagine if you walked into a job interview and introduced yourself as someone who's terribly unorganized, has materialistic tendencies, lies a little, and gossips a lot? Our culture might not cater to brutally honest people, but you know, friendships do. Here's what I'm trying to say. I have made so many wonderful, thick, amazing friendships by sharing what I'm bad at instead of bragging about what I'm good at. Learn about your faults. Tell people what they are. They go away that way and people like you better. We can bear one another's burdens the way that we're called to. Because avoiding reality, it doesn't make us ignorant. It makes us anxious. Because we know our issues are there just enough to know that we don't want to know. There's a fancy word for this. It's called denial. Here's a good way to know if you're in denial about a certain part of your life, a certain part of your character. If you're feeling nervous about some part and you're avoiding any facts about it, then it might be time for a little intervention. And you can start by journaling this, filling in these blanks. Here's what I know is true, but wish that it wasn't. Here's how I feel about it, but wish that I didn't. Own it. Nothing changes until it becomes what it is. And identifying your faults is the only way to change them. So ladies, I think that we're not celebrating exactly who we are and we're not admitting who we're not. And the third thing, the last point is that I think we have some blind spots and blind spots are very cleverly named. We don't see them. We were designed to look outside of ourselves to determine our worth and God made it that way on purpose. He wanted us to always look to him to know exactly who we were and understand how precious we are, but something went awry and we've chosen to answer these questions on our own. We've taken matters into our own hands and we listen to everyone else tell us things about ourselves, our parents, our friends, our boyfriends, our siblings. And sometimes the messages that we get are true, but sometimes girls, they're just not. And life happens. And when life happens, it hurts. And our hurts shape us. Our hurts can make us believe a lie. And once we believe a lie, we might try to go back and collect evidence that that tells us that what the lie says is true. And then that becomes our pain, our woundedness. And then we develop a pain narrative so that anytime we feel excluded or insulted or unappreciated, instead of accepting that pain for what it is, pain, we start a whole story that's just based on a lie. And believing lies and living out pain narratives, it can make us behave in some ugly and self-protective ways. These are our wounds. It stems from our wounds. And I don't want to talk about it either, but I think that our wounds make some of us controlling and some of us needy and some of us competitive. Number one, controlling. She needs no one. She's in charge. She's on top of things. She knows how to get what she wants. She doesn't back down from an argument. Her dominance is an attribute, an asset. But there's nothing merciful about her, nothing tender, nothing vulnerable. She controls her relationships, and if she cannot control them, she's likely to dismiss them. She has great difficulty accepting help. She's cynical of emotion. People find her harsh. Other women may think she's mean, but she thinks they're probably just intimidated by her. She might struggle with anxiety. Do you know her? Number two, needy. 
She keeps unworthy people around for way too long. She lies to herself about the ways people feel about her. She insists that there's a great deal of love in her life, even when it doesn't look like love. She makes excuses for the people that mistreat her. She gives herself over to untrustworthy people. She is consumed by the hunger for a relationship. She avoids confrontation, constantly seeks affirmation. She hides her beauty or doesn't understand how she's beautiful. She makes people feel the need for space. Other women may feel exhausted by her. and She blames herself for the lack of intimacy in her life. She might struggle with depression. Do you know her? Number three, competitive. She takes people's joys by pointing out her own. Her spirit is one of opposition, not support, envy, not joy. She versus me. She condescends accomplishments of those around her as small, silly, or cute and puffs up her own as novel, important, or grand. She disrupts community. She has a hard time giving compliments. She has difficulty not being perceived as the most captivating person in the room. She works hard to accomplish. Appearances are everything. Other women do not enjoy being around her. She thinks they are just jealous of her. She might struggle with anxiety or depression. Do you know her? So, now that we're all a little uncomfortable, right? And I know what you're doing. You're sitting there going, well, I sure hope she heard number one. (laughs) Except we're not talking about her. And listen, the key to this is to not be mad at yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Be forgiving. Be honest. It's okay. Be nice so that you can come to these truths a little easier because nothing can change until it becomes what it is. Own it so that you can fix it. Perhaps you neatly fit into one category, but maybe you're a combination of all three. But in your alone time, please be honest and heal the wound because it will affect every relationship that you have. And I think it's important to bring these things up, our wounds, because these are the things that we are contending with as we try to navigate our relationships. We are built to commune and our damages make us bad at it, but we can get better. Our wounds can heal. Our God binds our wounds. Restoration and loving others well depends on telling the full truth about who we are and who we are not and going to the dark places of our blind spots and letting God be healer. From the book of Proverbs, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a sister. This is my friend, Pamela. We've been friends for 15 years. She is a deep, deep well of faithfulness. She is the one and only karaoke queen, and her loyalty has made her closer than a sister. Hi, Pamela. Hello, Mace. Hi, hi, hi. I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a solid year and a half. I'm so glad you're here. Anyone who knows me knows the Japan girls. Yes. So... We lived in Japan together for three years. And when I say like in this, you know, recent, more recent stages of life, because we were in our 20s then, but in this recent stages of life, when I say the Japan girls, the Japan girls, everyone's so disappointed to learn that y'all are (laughs) not Japanese. (laughs) They feel so misled. But we were in Japan together. We taught school together. Yes. And um, that was a fun time in our lives. We had a good time. (laughs) I always equate it to being in college. With money. (laughs) Yes. It is exactly like that. You had all the freedom you wanted. You had incredible girlfriends, like living right on top of each other, and yet you could afford some vacations. And like cool vacations. Cool vacations. Like no joke vacations. Yeah. Bali. Bali. Malaysia. Mm Mm-hmm. New Zealand. I didn't go to New Zealand, remember? Yeah, but where'd you go? You went to some places I didn't go. You went to Vietnam. Yeah. Korea. Oh, we did do Korea. That was one of the funniest trips because you are like, we're going shopping. And I'm like, I'm going going to the DMZ. (laughs) I was going to say DMV. (laughs) See, we have so much in common. And yet, anyways, I will, you know, it was, it was such a fun time of life because we were 10 single women. 
on, well, I mean, there were 10 single women. I'm exaggerating, but only a little. Um, and we were on a, a base, a military base of Marine fighter pilots. Fighter pilots. It was really rough. Ridiculous. It, was, it was a rough time in our lives. My husband is like, because Seth and I met, uh-huh. obviously, there. And he's he always kind of puffs up his chest. And he's like, the competition was fierce. It's fierce. <laughs> but it was like, there are no, think about what you think that would be. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, they were on their knees singing, you've lost that love and feeling. feeling. Totally. That happened. And my favorite was like, after we'd been there a couple years, because we were there for three together. And we were walking on the sea walk, like right across mm-hmm. the ocean. And all of a sudden, they come in in mm-hmm. formation. Mm-hmm. And we both looked at each other and were like, yep, still hot. just doesn't get old it doesn't really get old yeah oh that was a good time but you know we lived in very close quarters because not only were we co-workers not only were we friends not only were we roommates in a way I mean we were all we were very much family yeah we lived we literally lived together yeah and I lived I had one of the bachelor's officer's quarters on base, which sounds really fancy, and it was not. <laughs> and I literally duct taped my door open, and I would come back from the grocery store, mm-hmm. and there would be three people. And for, for sure, me, yeah. being an extrovert, I it was very communal. loved it. It was yeah. very communal. We were on top of each other. We mm-hmm. told everything to everybody. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, our safety, there's something about crossing borders. Um, our safety nets were removed. And Mm -hmm. so we really kind of only had each other to fill in these gaps of family and the things that you needed. I mean, we were homesick. We needed each other. And there's also something to, you don't just pick up and move to the other side of the world for for no reason. And so when we would meet each other, we would say, what are you running from? Yeah. What are you running from and what are you running to? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone really kind of had an answer. Uh And because you were seeking intimacy, because it had potential to be so lonely, you answered it. Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> there you were stuck in like this place where there was nobody spoke your language and mm-hmm. like you weren't going to pick it up in like right. six weeks. It was not, you know, going yeah. to Mexico and you could speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so foreign, literally everything, you know, that it just made it. Yeah. You, you, you didn't have a choice. I just really kind of wanted a Diet Coke. Yeah, exactly. So because I can't find that. I'm just going to latch on to you, you little, <laughs> you little busty, bubbly blonde. <laughs> Okay, but because of those close quarters, because of all of the things that we were to each other, um, we needed to know how to deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. We needed to figure it out. And I never had any sisters. I, you know, I wasn't very good at this. And the, you know, as you and I, I knew that I wanted to have you on the podcast. And as you and I were kind of thinking of all of these different things, I mean, I had a a jillion ideas and you were like, what about conflict? And because you know, you have taught me so much about how to effectively communicate and resolve and realize that yes, this has come up, but it's not the end of the world. It doesn't end things. It doesn't have to end anything. Walk with me, sister. <laughs> Walk with me. So when you said conflict, I was like, that's it. Let's do it. Yeah. So this is, yeah. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that you and I learned to do really well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really, I, I think that we have a tendency, and we can get into the you know more details of this, but I think we have a tendency to think that cl- conflict's terrible when really it's inevitable. And because conflict's terrible, it's like a cancer that needs to be eradicated. When it's not that we need to like snuff it out, it's that we need to learn how to do it well. Because conflict's going to come up, how do we do it well? Yeah, I, to me, and, and I think I'm probably very countercultural when it comes to conflict, I, I don't see conflict as being a bad thing. I think it creates more intimacy. For sure. It's breakthrough. It yeah. can be breakthrough. And we see that in our marriages. Why don't we trust our girlfriends with that? To do that. Yeah. I totally agree. I think in one way, you know, as a girl, because I don't think girls know how to do conflict very yeah. well. Yeah. I think... Um, I mean, generally speaking, boys can kind of you know, have a tussle and then like, you know, be elbowing each other a couple of minutes later, you know. And then it's over. Yeah. And I think there's, there's this, you know, nice girls don't fight. Mm. Nice girls Mm. um, are kind of enable whatever the other person says. And I, and for me, I mean, I think my personality is already kind of 
Yeah. I was going to say, I think we kind of kick nice girl in the shin. <laughs> in the most, in the kindest of ways, yeah. of course. I, I don't do it very well. I've, uh, a lot of my other girlfriends are really good at conflict too. Like we're mm-hmm. just really, and I don't want to say girls that don't do conflict aren't strong. They're just strong in a different way. But like, mm-hmm. I have never shied away from a debate mm-hmm. or a fight. Right, right. Yeah. No, you haven't. But I will say that if, if you were to just leave that sentence alone and say, I've never shied away from a debate. Because it does. That, that kind of ignites something in me that makes you think you're a jerk. What's crucial about the way that you have never shied away from a debate is that you are compassionate within that debate. You are a good listener. You're such a good listener and want to get to the real root of things. So, okay, if you think about a circle of girlfriends, mm-hmm. let's say let's say there are 10. Let's say you have 10 girlfriends. And if everyone's kind of all agreeing with each other, and if everyone's just kind of going on affirming everything that everyone has to say, it's probably the wrong group of 10. Oh, I totally agree. Right? I mean, conflict is going to come up. It should come up. So what are the ways that we navigate this well? Well, I think think one of the things that people have to do is that they have to be willing to listen to what other people are saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that conflict has to happen in a very safe space. Mm -hmm. And that's to me is where discernment starts happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, are you dealing with somebody who wants this relationship to be better, to be deeper, to be more intimate, to be stronger? Mm -hmm. Or are you dealing with somebody that just wants to have their way? Mm -hmm. Because there's only, it can really kind of only go one of two ways. Right. Or they're always going to let you have their way. And that's fake. That's not real. Right. And that's, and I don't like that. <laughs> I think a, a, a sort, like, um, I think this was, you and I were both transformed by the book Boundaries. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think a litmus test of a real relationship is you being able to, to give a no in one way or another. And then if you can stay friends when someone has given you a no, mm-hmm. then, then that's a litmus test of your intimacy. So if I give a no... And you accept my no, we have intimacy. If I can take your no and we can... So so a lot of people are really good at giving no's and they're bad at taking, taking no's. Them. A lot of people are really good at taking no's and they're not good at giving them. So giving and taking a no. Well, I think, really I think also to add to that, I think giving a no and taking a no, but wanting to know the reason behind the no. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the intimacy is. Like sure, I need to right. understand where your no is coming from. Mm-hmm. Is it coming from a healthy place? Mm-hmm. Is it coming from a fear place? Mm-hmm. Is it wh- where is that coming from? And that's where that conflict. That's where the conversation around the conflict. I right, think happens. Right. Right. Um, you. You and I in um, kind of just going through the bullet points of this talk. You brought up something that made a lot of sense to me, which is we can. Conflict is only useful if you're trying to figure out how to have a relationship with someone in a better way. Yes. We want to be good at this together is what Mm -hmm. you said. Like, are we getting better? Are we getting better? Are we getting better? But then there's a different aspect of that. And I want to let you talk to that because um, you just spoke about it very eloquently where a lot of times it's more about boundaries. Yeah. You got to really know who you're having conflict with. Mm-hmm. Is that a safe person or an unsafe person? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that because um, what I th- do you mean? I, well, I think I think that there are people that want to invade your sort of boundaries. And like if nobody's ever given them a no and they can't take it, mm-hmm. then they're probably not, mm-hmm. unless something miraculous happens and God can do amazing things, that they're not going to choose to do that. So like... Um, and that's where the discerning is. Like, can they take your no? Mm-hmm. Are they interested in why there's the no? Right. There are people that you have boundaries with yeah. in conflict, that yeah. you're setting a boundary, and then there are people that you're trying to become more intimate with. Okay, that's it right there. There are people that you're setting boundaries with that you're protecting yourself from, so conflict might arise there. Mm-hmm. This is my boundary. You have to respect it. But then there's conflict where it's like, I want to deepen this relationship yeah, with I you. I want more from this. And knowing the difference between those two people, this is a matter of boundaries and protecting myself. This is a matter of deep, deep intimacy. Yeah. And just really being able to discern that. And mm-hmm. I think it, that... That's so important. That's hard because there, there are relationships that we have to be in. Let's talk about the people that you're just setting a boundary with. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're trying to get back at them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's boundaries that, are not used to punish people. They are not used to punish people. That's a big they thing are in the book. used to say, 
this is my space. Mm -hmm. You are not allowed to cross it. Mm -hmm. I am not going to put up with your ridiculous behavior Mm -hmm. and you will not punish me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and doing it in a way that is... Or I won't be affected by the way. I won't be affected. Because you can't control them. No. I mean, the only thing I can do is keep my side of the road clean. So I won't... I, I will do my very best to not be affected by the ways you attempt to punish me. And I think that that's where that neg- the bad connotation of conflict comes from. Mm-hmm. Because we think of it as being punishing people back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. You know, like... You're right, the back and forth. The back and forth is where people... Who can hurt each other. Who can hurt each other the the most. The deepest, yeah. And that's not not the purpose of conflict. Do you have theories about why we're so bad at this? Yeah, I do. I think part of it is, I think is... Like, think about when you're going into middle school, what conflict looks like. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I taught fifth grade and have worked with middle school girls, especially. And it's that cutting of the eye Mm. and then laughing at somebody. Mm. And that's the way we, that's the way we socialize our, are talking about somebody, gossiping about somebody, Mm -hmm. hoarding friends Mm -hmm. and excluding them in Mm -hmm. a way to keep them behaving the way that we want to. So I think that that, I think we get socialized in a way in adolescence. And I'm not sure if that's a society thing or if it's, innate to kind of our character as well, women. Okay, as you're saying that, I'm thinking it's probably biological. Like, we're such a social animal. Mm-hmm. We very much need each other. I mean, to be ostracized, like with hunters and gatherers, was to die, die. right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's actually we needed work. each other. There's a neurologist, and I'm probably not going to do right. He's from Stanford. And he's actually shown studies where, like, two people, Three people, like somebody who's the doesn't even know that they're the subject of the study, and two yeah. people are throwing the ball back and forth, and then they include them, and mm-hmm. then they stop including them, and like their brain lights the up. The brain, yeah. And so I think that there's this real connection of needing to do that, and I think, it, and what comes from that is you lose your authentic self mm-hmm. because you've learned you've been punished, and so yeah. okay, then I'm not going to do that again. That's yeah. not okay, and mm-hmm. so. I think that that starts walking you down a road of where you really lose your authentic person. Mm -hmm. And that was the case for me, like having to do conflict, like, oh, I'm not allowed to disagree with my friends in middle school. Uh, Uh Oh, so I have to be, so either you're going to be the lone wolf or or you got to fit in. So so as a group and being a social being, anything that attempts to keep us out of that group becomes so intensely painful even on a biological level. I mean, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. But so, okay. So really that's rejection. If we were to kind of boil it down to one word, it's it that what conflict does is it kind of pokes that innate fear of rejection rejection. and rejection makes us feel bad about ourselves. Uh It, um, Leaves you lonely. It's lonely. No one wants to be around me, uh-huh. which then kind of makes me angry. So in that way, <laughs> conflict kind of becomes really this dark, <laughs> circular, nasty thing. Nasty and there's this self-talk because now I've had to get rid of my authentic self because my group doesn't think that it's okay. It's fascinating to me because I do have so much to learn about it. I am, you know this about me. I am really, we'll go through some of the the specific things you've taught me. But like, I literally, like my teeth chatter. I'm I'm such, I'm so bad. Well, this summer when when our other friend Hollister is like telling me something about myself that that I wasn't aware of. Okay, hold on. Let's set the scene. Y'all are in the front seat. Uh Uh-huh. You're in the back. I'm in the back seat. Andrea, who's going to be on our next episode, is we are deep friends. Okay? Yeah, and so years. we can years and years of deep friendship. And she is pointing out something that you had been struggling with. It was anxiety. Andrea just kind of named it maybe for the first time. Yeah, I had no clue, and she mm-hmm. was able to say that. But you're in the back. I'm in the back seat. Like, like. Like writhing in pain. I'm in the fetal position. Yeah. I'm like doing a headstand. And I was, and you were like, I hate conflict. And I was like, this is not. And that was really interesting for me because I had never realized what conflict looked for you. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that wasn't conflict at all. Mm -hmm. That was a good friend going, Hey, sister. Sister, (laughs) you you might be losing it a little. (laughs) Yeah. In a lot of ways, because we were talking about that nasty cycle where it's like, 
the fear of rejection uh-huh. leads to feeling lonely, leads to feeling bad about myself, which makes me angry, yeah. which makes me, you know, so it, it becomes a circle a little bit. And in that way, I can see that I've, I've really kind of gotten worse at this over time <laughs> instead of better. Because but that's I because think- you're so empathetic. Like mm, you're worried mm. that I was going to feel all those things. Like right, I don't, yeah. I think it came from a very loving place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you were even like, I've been wanting to tell you that I think you're anxious for forever. And yeah, I was like, no, I was not. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, why haven't you told me that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think when we expect rejection and then we become concerned by it, it's like the more sensitive we are to it. Yeah. And I think you also have to know your friends. Like mm-hmm. for me, um, like what do like you have to know what your friends need. It sort of gets back to that love language thing. Like, what do your friends need to hear from you? Mm-hmm. In conflict, I think they're love languages too. I think um, some people need space to cool off and yeah. just honoring right, right, that right. that's not being okay. punished. Okay, so so you're saying people need time and space. Well, so no, like, it depends. Okay. I think that's where you need Depends to know the, the friendship. Mm-hmm. So, like, some people need space to cool off. Okay. And that's not punishment. Like, right. And honestly, a lot of introverts need that space to process, yeah, to right. deal with, and yeah. to kind of get that going. Sure. Um, where I need to talk about, like, I just need somebody to acknowledge that the way I'm feeling is mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Like, and, you know, and sometimes it's a combination of stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I need somebody to just see that I'm... Um, this is makes sense that I'm mad. So to make to put this kind of in an easy format for people to like take away. So maybe it in I'm this is a question. Something along the lines of is now a good time? Like is now a good time to talk about this? Mm-hmm. So you could just kind of ask that question and then you're yeah. kind of giving them time and space to say, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's well, get to the bottom of this. And being okay in the middle of it to go for that person to have the freedom or for you, this is a boundary thing. Like, I am hearing what you're saying, but I need to go think about that. And mm-hmm. this is where language is really important, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and how you communicate. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I need to go back and think about it. So there was, Seth and I were teaching this marriage class at the prison. One of the things was, it was talking about old people giving advice, older couples giving advice to newer couples. And so one of the pieces of advice was never go to bed mad, never go to bed mad. And there was this sociologist where she was kind of getting to the bottom of some of these kind of tenants, uh-huh. you know? And she was like, but do you go to bed, man? And so they would kind of like walk around the question like every way. And finally she got them to just admit, we go to bed mad all the time. But what she was noticing is that the most successful marriages will table something for mm, a minute. That's really important. It's so important to be able to say, listen, listen, I know we're not done yet. We will get through this. It's not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to get, to get sleep. <laughs> And you know me, like if I haven't had sleep, it gets a lot worse. You need to sleep and I need to eat. You need to eat. (laughs) Somebody give me a cheese So we are rested and well fed. Yes. Like then we can have a conversation. Okay. So is now a good time? I think that's something that people can walk away with. Like is now a good time? Um, What's another component of just really effective conflict? I think honesty Honesty. is really important. And kind honesty. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know... um, my husband and I joke because he and he does not like conflict, which is hilarious because yeah. he's in the he army. Married you. Oh, <laughs> he's in the army. <laughs> because he's in the military. He's in the military you. and he married me. Um, oh, we, we use feelings words a lot in my. Yes. I'm feeling very hurt right now, right? Because this happened instead of you did this. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will say, "I feel very angry because you did." Instead of saying, I feel very angry because this happened. Because what you're saying is when you throw the you back on them, is that it's your fault. Instead of saying, I feel very upset or angry right now because this happened. Can you, like, where it becomes like, tell me what you were thinking in it. Right. Tell me this as you see it. Yeah. With genuine interest, right? I mean, like, I want to understand how you're seeing mm -hmm. this. And that's where the empathy comes. Like, okay, so oh, that's the second. Okay, so thing. space, uh-huh. if needed, honesty. Mm-hmm. Well, and even creating a safe space. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have space. Doesn't mean time necessarily. It just means is this a good space for us to kind of delve into this? Okay, so space, honesty, empathy. Empathy is crucial. Empathy is saying, 
I want to know how you saw it. I want to know how you felt it. Mm-hmm. And it might be so polar opposite mm-hmm. from the way that I perceived it. Mm-hmm. And just having that language to say, yep, this is what this is what I saw and this is what mm-hmm. you saw. And mm-hmm. oh, that's how you view it's that? It's understanding. Yeah, it's really at the end of the day just understanding where somebody's coming from. Yeah. Like, um, How powerful is the phrase, if I would have felt that way, if, if that would have happened to me, I would have felt that way mm-hmm. too. You know, that's where I think, like, like I said, also knowing who you're mm-hmm. in conflict with, I was right. going to say fighting with, but yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. But you know, who you're fighting with, like being able to say to them, yeah, yeah I get why you felt that way. Yeah. Um, okay. So space, honesty, empathy, grace, forgiveness needs to happen. And this is one of the biggest things that I think happens in friendships. Mm-hmm. Without conflict. I want to have a whole episode on forgiveness. I mean, this is just a huge thing. It's a huge thing. But I think um, when it's over, it's over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it's not over for you, Mm -hmm. you need to keep the conflict going because Mm -hmm. there hasn't been resolution. That's right. Yes. Um, And that's where I I call them our friendship narratives. Mm -hmm. Like, so if I'm not asking for clarity about what something you did that hurt my feelings, then A, you're going to do it again because you didn't know it hurt my feelings. Right. So now that feeds that right. narrative. This isn't a really good friend to me because they keep doing this over and over again. You but have you just don't even been know. so, you have been so um, explicit in that area with me. Like you have been so specific about how can I be a better friend to, I want to love you well. Yeah. I want to love you better. What is it that you need from me that I am not giving you right now? You have been so amazing. You have taught me a lot and it affects the way I parent. I mean, I'll ask my kids, do you feel well loved by me? Because I can think I'm doing a bang up job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't feel loved by me at the end of the day. Who cares? And so I, my oldest daughter and I have some different love languages and I, you know, I'll flat up ask her, tell me how I can do a better job. I want you to feel so loved by me. And she's like, you're hogging the queso. You know, (laughs) (laughs) share mommy. Yeah. I always say people try to sweep stuff under the rug, but eventually you're going to have a whole pile of dirt and getting it out of your, once you're trying to get rid of that kind of dirt, Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder because now you've set that narrative. Mm -hmm. When you say, I'm, I forgive you or I'm sorry and you give grace and receive it, Mm -hmm. then that is that moment of, okay, you're a safe person. Yes. You know, what's a sign. Okay. So back to, okay. That made me think of two things. Number one, I feel like a big indicator of a safe person versus a not safe person, somebody you need to set boundaries with, someone you want to be intimate with, is acknowledging the problem in the first place. Mm, So, mm. okay, so, hey, we have an issue. Like, neon blinking lights (laughs) is, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, okay, we're done here. Yeah, that's very clear. honesty, like, you set this up with, you know, the word honesty. It's admitting, it's exploring the problem. It's a willingness to... Well, even if they don't know what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. them wanting to know what you're talking about. Desire. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people will say, I don't know what you're talking about. And it could be as sincere, but tell me what you're talking about. Right. Why do you need this boundary with me? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what have I done (laughs) that I don't even know? Mm -hmm. What are some, what are some don'ts? So we have, we have do's. If we are creating safe spaces for our relationships to have these conversations, if we are admitting with honesty, admitting there's a problem, committing to solving it, if we are being empathetic and trying to understand where the other person's coming from, if we're being graceful in forgiveness because he gave it first, yeah. that's our job as a Christian. And if we are taking ownership for the things that have, you know, the things that we've caused, if those are the do's, what are the don'ts, dear sister? What are the don'ts? <laughs> I think you touched on it in earlier. I, I don't think conflict is meant to punish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As grownups, I, I think that that's, to me, the big thing. I think um, keeping a record, don't keep yeah. a record. Yeah. Like, you're not keeping a chart of who was better at forgiving or who, like, it, it starts over new. And if there mm-hmm. is anything that the gospel teaches us is yeah. that we are made new mm-hmm. over yeah. and over Every and morning. over again. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, keeping a record. Okay, so no, no, no punishing boundaries. Um, no keeping records of wrongs. That's that narrative. Uh-huh. You keep a record in a narrative. Yeah. Um, even you know, just this is kind of specific. This sounds kind of simple compared to your wisdom, but um, listen, not listening. Like you're just. Oh my gosh! Trying yes. to win the argument. Like, I guess that to me is just so obvious, right? <laughs> like. There's a difference between having a debate yes. with somebody yeah. Yeah. and actually looking for resolution with somebody. Yes. There's a difference Amen. between being right yeah. versus being making something new. Oh, love, and love, love. I, I feel like in our society today, we have gotten into this huge I want to drape, drape twinkle lights around that <laughs> sentence. I love it so much. Okay, sorry. We've so gotten into what? We've gotten to this thing where I have to be right. In order to be mm-hmm. like worthy, that's what we're going for. Yeah. Is we're going to be right. We need to win. Right. We need to ascend. We need to be yeah. affirmed. We yeah. We need to Our be culture. right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can just scroll through Facebook, and and you oh, know, I don't, post, <laughs> I don't post a lot on Facebook, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I. You know, I'm doing a degree in political science because I had a midlife crisis. And instead of buying a car, mm-hmm. I decided to go back to grad school. And um, and sometimes I wonder if I would not be happier in a convertible <laughs> something like <laughs> car, automobile. <laughs> but, I mean, and so I'm looking and, like, nobody is talking to anybody or it's, it's different between talking at and with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw down like a philosopher. His name is Hegel. And whether you like him or not, whatever. But he says there's thesis, antithesis. And then once those are kind of felt through, then you get um, synthesis. So mm-hmm. you it's the art of coming up with something new. Mm-hmm. And if we're always just into this back and forthness mm-hmm. and at at each other, mm-hmm. then we're not looking to come up. We're not with, making anything. We're not new. making anything. New. I love that. That's beautiful. And that's what creations are. You know, you and I were talking about this yesterday. We we were th- everyone's thinking in either or terms. Mm-hmm. We need to be thinking in and both terms. Yeah, you know. And so I take a little bit about what you have. You take a little bit about what I have, and we make something new. That's so beautiful. I love it. And sometimes and 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 it's not compromise because compromise is where and, and so I'm gonna draw a distinction. I'm actually kind of studying this right now in school, ironically, um, where compromise is where somebody's given up something mm-hmm. and usually somebody's got, or both people have given up something. Right. So there's nothing new there. They've just kind yeah, of sacrificed. Just like they've diminished what their desires are. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, when we, when we think compromise, it's usually somebody's giving up something instead yeah. it should be like, no, 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 we're going to come up with something new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I feel that way about unity, by the way. Everyone who, anyone who knows me knows that my greatest passion is to unify the church. That would be fantastic. For us to work together and in his name for his glory. Building his kingdom. (laughs) Anyway, but that's always, you know, I feel like everyone wants, you give, you give a little bit of this up, you give a little bit of that up and then, and then we could get together for a little while and do some work together. But I'm saying, no, bring it, bring it, let's. All, all of it. it. Bring all of it. Let's and let's let's do something new. I've never thought of it in those terms before yeah. though. That's awesome. And they and and you know, compromise doesn't last. Hmm. Interesting. Because that's it's not authentic. Wow. Because oh. what you've done is you've had to take away something that your desire is. Mm-hmm. Now and so compromise is that makes lasting. God really big. That mm-hmm. makes God really, really big. Wow. And I, you know, I feel so I do think conflict really does have this space that we need to really, as a church, to get much better at. So, okay, don'ts are, um, what did we say? Uh, don't hold a grudge. Definitely don't. Oh do yeah, that. don't keeping records. Of, don't keep records. Don't of keep wrong. records of wrong. Don't punish each other. Um, don't try to just win the argument. Mm-hmm. Any other don'ts? I mean, those are really good don'ts. Yeah. I mean that, um, you know, you were really, w- one of the things like specifically that you taught me is that my feelings are okay. Feelings are fine. I can have my feelings. Why are we afraid of our emotions? Our emotions are very natural. <laughs> You're going to have emotions. You don't need to be afraid of your emotions. And so you taught me a lot of, I feel this. 
And then being able to say that and then that and then having a safe place to land, like that you were receptive to how I felt. The, and the opposite of that, which I think is the don't, is the blaming. The blaming. So instead of me saying, I feel this, it would it's me saying, well, you did this. Well, and, and it's really it's funny. It's kind of a non-starter. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we joked in our house because my mother got her master's in um, counseling when I was in eighth grade. So we were using feeling phrases, but they came out like this. I mean, there's nothing like an eighth grader with a little powerful uh, feeling phrase. I feel very angry when you don't let me go out at 10 o'clock at night. So I think, I think really recognize, and that's why I think language is so important and how you You say, worked yourself right on around. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. I can talk about how I feel because of you. Like, you know, and I think that's where that, also that responsibility that we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. I feel this way. Mm-hmm. That's where you need to be really aware of mm-hmm. what is that triggering. Yes. Because sometimes. You know it taps into something. It's tapping into something. Deep and personal. Yeah. yeah. Like and wounded. Yeah. yeah. There's something wounded in it. And that's mm-hmm. a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and usually people don't like to be vulnerable because they've learned vulnerability either gets you excluded mm-hmm. um, or is punished. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't control it. I can't control how my vulnerability is going to be received. Exactly. I mean, what vulnerability is, is exposing something easily harmed and trusting that the other person won't, won't take the shot. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it's a great, there's a great deal of trust. But in that, that's how we belong to each other. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that a lot of times... Maybe it's kind of every relationship needing a hero. Like, who's going to go first? I think we underestimate each other as a whole. I think we underestimate each other. I think we do. I do think that there are people that are very dangerous people. I was just going to say, I've been hurt plenty, but we all have. Yeah. (laughs) I think that there are some very dangerous people. Yeah. And, and, um, and I, and, and, and that's why, like, You've really got to be discerning about who's giving you that information. Is there any specificity there in that discernment? I mean, we talked, you know, we, we mentioned the, I don't see a problem here. Like that's kind of, that would be a blinking light for me. Like, okay. never mind. But yeah, never mind. (laughs) Now I don't either. (laughs) What's, what's something else? How can we hone that skill? Of knowing who's who. I, I think that that's, that's, that's the risk that you take. Yeah. It, for intimate relationships, there are going to be risks. Yeah. And I think that that's a risk you take. Now, well, and Jesus is the greatest gambler. He, he gambled everything on us. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where you're like, oh, going back to the same person over and over yes. again. I've, this is a big deal for me um, in my 40s is... Um, now that I'm 40, I'm, you know, I'm all yeah. like blown up about being 40. I love being 40. <laughs> but that's a big one. That's been a big sticking point for me is my insistence on um, kind of um, accepting things for what they truly are instead of what I wish they were. Yes. And so you, if you're going round and round with this person, if you're getting hurt over and over, I mean, chances are this is more of a boundary issue, you know, relationship than it is a let's, let's get you know, cuddly with conflict. Well, Pamela, you have just handled my plentiful emotions with such care and grace. And <laughs> you too. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful. We've been friends for how many years now? 15 years. 15. One time, do you remember, I don't know if you remember you telling this, you're like, you and I have the most raw friendship of anybody mm-hmm, I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have been through it all. Uh-huh. We've been through it all. And we've had, you know, times of silence Mm -hmm. we have used the tops of our voices definitely (laughs) (laughs) we have sat knee to knee with tears in our eyes and you know and figured it out so well and I think the other thing is is you find people that value the same things like you Mm -hmm. and I value loyalty Mm -hmm. like above all that like I don't care yeah. if you and I were in a huge fight. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about you behind your yes. back. Oh, that's a don't. That's, that's a, a don't. don't. Yeah, don't talk because about Because there people. were four of us in Japan that were incredibly close. And things are going to come up between a group of four girls oh, sure. living next to each other on top of each other. And we made a pact that... If when things come up between us, we really we can't go to the, to the other, other three. Or, you know, we can't do that. And, I mean, I think that 
No, we definitely You didn't. call your best friend at home. Yeah. You call your be- it's not that you can't talk about it. It's not that you can't have a safe place to put it, but you you call somebody that is not affected by these relationships. I do think we also talked about each other, but not in a nee, 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 kind yeah, of way the like the heart behind it. Yeah, it was the heart behind it like I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um what is it in me yeah, that's I need bringing help. that out I need to or see this like yeah, so I, I it wasn't it wasn't a way to ostracize somebody. It mm-hmm. was a way to make the friendships mm-hmm. Are the relationships stronger? Gosh, purity of heart is just huge in all of this. It really is. That is foundational, purity of heart. Mm -hmm. You really have to check yourself on that. Hey, I love you. I love you This is a good episode. I like it. I do too. This was important. (laughs) This is important. You've you've taught me a lot. I'm thankful. Same here. I have lots of I statements. You have I feel (laughs) livid right now. (laughs) Lots of I statements. I love you. I love you too. A word from our sponsors, Miles of Grace Realty. Are you buying a home, selling your home, or investing in real estate? Jenny Murphy with Miles of Grace Realty does more than get the job done for a great price. With her experience, attention to detail, and genuine passion for helping others, you will see that Miles of Grace Realty really does go the extra mile. Here's a review from a pleased client. We cannot say enough good things about Jenny Murphy at Miles of Grace. She was literally an answer to our prayers. She led us through the complicated maze that is real estate and even prayed with us along the way. She has been such a blessing to our family and we would recommend her services to anyone. That's Miles of Grace Realty, 979-229-5541, www.milesofgracerealty.com. And safe to save. Did you know that you are 23 times more likely to crash when you text, voice text, or Snapchat as you drive, which is equivalent to having four beers? Help make a difference by reversing this trend and download Safe to Save. Safe to Save is an app that encourages safe driving by rewarding points for every minute you drive without touching your phone. Simply download the free app and open it before you get behind the wheel to start earning points. The points you earn can then be used to receive free food and special offers at some of your favorite restaurants and businesses, from Chick-fil-A to your local spa to a romantic date night spot. Set up friendly competitions between friends, family members, coworkers, and staff. Give ideas about which businesses you would like to see added. Follow Safe to Save on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates and download the app today. Start using Safe to Save now wherever you live to create safer communities. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Beefy. Hey, girl. I think that we should remind our listeners why we call each other Beefy. Okay. We explained it... (laughs) Has I just finished a plate full of Brussels sprouts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we had the best friend necklace that was split in half, and I had half of the heart, and you had the other half of the heart. So beef it was beef fry and street end. Oh, my gosh. Saint ends, not street ends. Street ends. Uh, anyway, tomato, tomato. <laughs> so we eventually just started calling each other beef fry. BFF. BFF. Hope calls Ren her BFF. Oh. Regularly. Crush. Yes. Um, so anyways, so we shortened beef fry to beef, and it is beefy affectionately. Okay. To be clear, I did not do anything with the word beef. You did that. Like, I can distinctly remember it. It was over text, and I was like, come again. I'm not even sure I got it. And I thought it was a little bit repulsive. And you said it was extra funny because I'm a vegetarian. With your Brussels sprouts. Hence the Brussels sprout reference. <laughs> that are so stinky. <laughs> Okay, anyways, we're beefies. So we just, um, I just interviewed Pamela about conflict and friendship, which is such an important topic because I feel like we only hear about friendship from people who are doing it perfectly. (laughs) We just looked at each other in this (laughs) this 
this kind of guilty way because we are guilty, but we feel really bad about it if it makes it any better. No. We just you don't said fight. people that do it perfectly. We don't claim to do it perfectly. We claim to have a gift. We claim yes, indeed. Okay. The truth of the matter dear listeners, is that <laughs> Beefy and I do not argue and we feel really bad about it. And so we just have to accept it as a gift from the Lord and don't block a blessing <laughs> and let's not invite any conflict into our lives. Why would we invite that? Right. Um, but we just don't. And we really haven't since, I don't know, the fourth grade, possibly I think probably third, possibly third. We had some kinks to iron out <laughs> in, the, in those early months. But since then, um, we communicate really well. We absolutely have each other's best at heart, and we're natural encouragers of one another. I just could not be any more for you. Amen. I think it's just like a foundation in true love, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so just the expectation of understanding and... um, patience and yeah. it's just easy it's yeah. just easy we have a dear mutual friend um who was going through just a very rough spot in a dear friendship and she was kind of asking our advice about okay but um, what do y'all do and we just you know we had to kind of take that deep breath and be like we just we haven't had to walk that and I feel like we have enough years under our belt now I mean I don't want to say that out loud and without knocking on yeah, wood. yeah yeah but we got so, all kinds of conflict with other people don't worry yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well that that is a good thing to point out is that this is yeah, the no yeah. yeah this is the only relationship that feels um so conflict free yes okay anyway um here is our question from our <clears throat> listener she says when do you know in a friendship when enough is enough uh, I, I feel this question because um, you know for me I feel like for me as a disciple of Christ enough is never enough because there is no person there is no situation there is no relationship that is outside the redemption of Jesus Christ so I it, I it can't be up to me to shut a door that is not mine to close. He might have more work to do there. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I think your answer focused more on what do you do once you are feeling like it might be enough. Um, so I was just trying to think about when do you know that you've kind of hit a, some sort of roadblock. Did you just get a lawyer on Just me, a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Precisely right. answering the question. No, I'm like rereading the question right now, and you're right. She said, when do you know? When do you know? <laughs> um, so for me, um, I think it's just, this sounds maybe too trite, but when you kind of feel like you're banging your head against the wall in a relationship, like there's going to be seasons where people have turns in relationships, right? So it's not that you always should be receiving something from a relationship, I don't think. But when you are not better, when there's no fruit, when there's an angst um, every time you interact with somebody, I think that that's time to, you know, try to establish some boundaries and, and definitely, like you said, like not close a door and be done and break up with them, but to, um, to know that you need to protect yourself and your heart and focus on other friendships. I mean, cause there's only so much time in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if one relationship mm-hmm. is just leaving you lower than you came into it Mm -hmm. then it's just a time to shelf that for a second Mm -hmm. and focus on the other ones and then I've absolutely seen it in my life where there have been long seasons of a friendship um, for for reasons I might not even ever understood that we were just off Um, but then then they came back Mm -hmm. and maybe in a different way Mm -hmm. but I just think if there's a foundation there um, like you said like to just see what God's going to do with it, um, be open to any possibility, but but also protect yourself in the meantime. Yeah, I love that hope aspect. I really like that. Um, keeping hope for a friendship. Yeah, okay, so the true nature of the question, which is really what she asked, when do you know? I, I think that for me that is true, that it's when it's um, painful more often than it is uplifting. Yes. I experience pain from you more often than I feel uplifted. Okay. Thanks, Beef. Love you. Love you.
Lubella is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubell win the internet day after day. In a couple of hours, I will make my way to Papacito's yet again because we were there just last night. I can feel a winter cold coming from a mile away. This one was just a block from hitting me like a Mack truck, and I craved one of my very favorite comfort foods. The Papacito's tortilla soup is a blanket of yummy goodness. My husband hasn't met a quesadilla he didn't like, so we drove there to get some takeout. It was a madhouse. It was apparent Houstonians were over their holiday turkey and ham and back to their roots. My husband waited in the car while I went, ran in to grab our food and got the heck out of there. In the takeout counter, there was a young girl with the name tag reading Shelby. No way she was older than 17 or 18, and she was surrounded on the floor and the table with takeout bags. There were two people in front of me, and one could tell that Shelby was a bit overwhelmed. She was desperately looking at the names on all the bags, ensuring that each order was complete. She misplaced the magic card that operated the register. It was apparent the young lady was alone in the middle of madness. But through it all, she smiled, was polite, and apologized for the wait. However, that was not enough for the woman in front of me. She sighed heavily that she had been there for over six and a half minutes, and then she asked for extra butter and it wasn't in the bag, and she completely lost her mind when Shelby gave her a pen that was out of ink. This is the worst service I've ever received, she said a wee bit too loudly for my taste. Shelby said, I'm sorry, ma'am, as she shuffled through her apron for a pen. The woman said, you should either get help or get competent. I don't know what came over me, I don't know if it was my impending sickness, the glorious hours I had with my nieces, and that my best friend just had a baby girl, and the idea that anyone would speak to any of them like that, or just the simple fact I don't like mean people. I said to the woman, and you should get some manners. She looked at me stunned, and Shelby was like, oh crap. She's trying her very best. You got your butter. And I reached to my purse and said, and here's a pen. The woman told me to mind my own business and go to a place where my mother prays every day I am not going that starts with H and rhymes with swell, and she huffed out. Shelby looked at me wide-eyed, and she handed me my bag and bill. I signed the check and said, sorry about that. I don't feel very well, and you should know you're doing great. Later that night, I got a call from an unknown number, and the man on the other end introduced himself as the manager at Papacito's. My husband looked at me and said, your sass got you in trouble again. The manager said, ma'am, were you here this evening getting a takeout order? I said, yes. Were you engaged in a verbal altercation with another customer? I said, verbal what? Look, here's the thing. Can you come back to the restaurant anytime soon? Why, I asked. Look, I tried. The manager finally said, Shelby was very grateful for you tonight and how you defended her. She offered to buy you a gift certificate in appreciation, but when she told us the story, we decided to give you one from our whole team. Thank you for speaking up for our staff. If you come to Marble, Shelby and I will be there and can tell you this in person. So we are going back to Papacitos today. I may not have done anything in 2016, but on the last day of the year, I can say I had Shelby's back. And honestly, that pushes me in a new year with pride, a giddy up in my step, and my husband can no longer say I don't buy him dinner. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. A note found on the floor after class. I heard you tell her you don't need me. I don't need you either. But after all this time, I don't see what that has to do with anything. Want to talk about it soon? Oh God.
Dear God, how it must grieve you to watch your children cause each other pain. Help us, God, to see conflict as opportunity, a chance to dive deeper, to learn more, to be transformed. Heal our desires, God, to control our tendencies to need the wrong things and how we give in to comparison and competition. Replace distrust with trust, insecurity with security, and ultimately love that is birthed from conflict-induced pain. We come to you hurting. We might feel brokenhearted. We bring our friendships to you open-handed. Soften our hearts. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, the Z Kappa chapter of the Chi Omega Fraternity, Pamela Anthony Cutright, Jenny Murphy Realty, Safe to Save, Kristen Kelly, Lubel Cruz Gaelic. And I can't believe I forgot to mention in the episode that Pamela Anthony Cutright is the one who sings our closing prayer after every episode. Email us your questions at sinnersaintsister at gmail.com. Keep in touch on Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan and on Instagram and Twitter at Allison M. Sully. And be sure to catch the mini episode for extras.